Today is Thursday, May the 4th. Hillbilly Delusion, next on the Locked on the Gamecocks podcast. It's time for the Locked on the Gamecocks podcast. Here's the cockfather himself, Keith Olson. This is Rodgers again to the 25, 20, 15, 10. Rodgers scores! Get the ball and bend it. Welcome in to the Worldwide Wednesday Show on the Locked on the Gamecocks podcast, episode number 936. In just a couple minutes, we will be joined for some stone cold takes. That's right, Augusta Stone from GoGamecocks.com joins the program to talk women's basketball, the aftermath of the national championship. Shout out to the queen of college basketball. That is Dawn Staley. Happy birthday to a living legend, a Hall of Famer, and a soon-to-be U.S. Olympic Hall of Fame as well as Basketball Hall of Famer. And today is now Dawn Staley Day in West Columbia, May the 4th, which is her birthday, the day before one of my favorite days, Cinco de Mayo. And so happy birthday to Coach Staley. So Hillbilly Delusion. So John Adams of the Knoxville News Sentinel published an article yesterday saying that, you know, I guess he was offended uh, by Darius Rucker changing the lyrics to Wagon Wheel, which included uh, F, Tennessee, except he didn't say it that way. And uh, evidently, old John, who clearly lives in the past, took offense to that and says not only does Kelly Harper have the roster to beat Dawn Staley and the Gamecocks, who will be the preseason prohibited favorite to win their third national championship in the last six years and what should have been their fourth or fifth, quite frankly, But now she's not even the best coach in the conference. Kim Mulkey is the best coach in the SEC. Who knew from a hillbilly to a redneck, the affection 
continues. All right, more on that in just a second, but let's bring in Augusta Stone. One, and we welcome in, without a doubt, the uh, best looking guest on the podcast. And nobody else brings the stone cold takes like Augusta Stone from Go Gamecocks. Welcome back, my friend. How uh, have you been? Were you able to attend the Darius Rucker concert? Because I just found out that it's really riled up uh, the Tennessee fan base. Hey, it's so good to be back. Um, I actually did not attend the concert. I was coming back from out of town that night. So I was I was late to getting back to town. I think it was over by the time I got back that night. Uh, but yes, I have seen where clips have definitely garnered a lot of attention from people who loved them and people who were very annoyed by them. So it was a it was a headline making event for more than one reason. Let's just say that. But yes, pleasure to be here. <laughs> so honestly, I think every women's basketball fan base other than Tennessee probably loved the fact that Darius Rucker changed the lyrics. Because let's face it, unless you are a hillbilly, unless you just grew up as a, you know, being indoctrinated into that putrid, I don't even know if it's really orange, I guess it is. Unless you were indoctrinated in that fan base, nobody likes Tennessee. I mean, they are the ultimate villain, and I'll be the first to say it's better for South Carolina, for Tennessee to be good. Um, and so yesterday, an old hillbilly by the name of John Adams, who's written for the Knoxville News Sentinel for about the past 40 years, wrote a big story saying, hey, Darius Rucker, Tennessee Lady Vols have the roster to beat South Carolina and Dawn Staley because according to him, Don Staley's not even the best coach in the SEC. It's got to be Kim Mulkey, who herself needs to be somewhere in front of a trailer park in a house coat with curlers and a Marlboro in her mouth. Am I telling the truth or am I telling the truth? I just thought the whole thing was interesting. You know, you sent it to me before we got on today and I was reading through it, you know, read the headline, you get through the beginning of it and you're like, okay, this makes sense. You know, it was, he was rolling up Tennessee. And like you mentioned, the part that just got me the most was talking about, you know, the SEC, Tennessee standing in it, then getting into Dawn, South Carolina. And I was like, okay, yeah, because there's definitely an argument for South Carolina as the modern dynasty in women's college basketball, easily probably the modern dynasty in the SEC. But then, like you mentioned, you have the sentence where it starts mentioning that Kim Mulkey is the league's top coach, which, I mean, you know, you read someone's argument and they're – Yes, what she did at Baylor, and I'll say what she did at LSU the first year, turning that program around. Like you mentioned, you know, we've mentioned in the past, she she had, you know, a solid resume for SEC Coach of the Year because of what she was able to do at that program. Now, granted, you know, I think it's easier to jump in places these days now with the transfer portal and everything going on. It's easier to build your roster 
sooner and faster. I think, well, as you did in the tournament, showed that they weren't exactly that scale of elite. And I think it's very unfair to, to Dawn and, and to South Carolina's legacy right now to say that she's not the best coach in the SEC. I thought that was stunning. I was like, you know, Kim is obviously one of the top coaches, definitely in that top tier. But like you mentioned before we got on air, you know, the rungs of things, I would not put Kim in a rung above Dawn right now in terms of the SEC just because of results. What we saw this year and I think what we're going to see for the next at least two or three years, I don't think that Kim will build that quite to what South Carolina is now, you know, years and years and years into Dawn and we're kind of seeing the – the the adjunct of all of it coming together so yeah that was what was most startling to me in the whole thing you know you'll see a Tennessee column and it's like okay you can talk about Tennessee we can talk about Pat Summit we can talk about that legacy but to bring Kim into it I thought was absolutely fascinating coming from a Knoxville paper so I just thought that was just an interesting dig I mean also I think it's heresy at this point to include Kelly Harper in a conversation with two coaches that have won Five national championships. Obviously, Mulkey won three at Baylor. That doesn't mean she's going to win three at LSU or even one, okay? That's a different league. All right, so... And I mean, props to Kelly Harper. At one point, Tennessee was playing really well. Then, you know, they had injuries. And hey, props for... You know, bringing in uh, Rakia Jackson, who was a top player, who could be a top player again. Uh, you know, certainly. But I mean, let's face it. South Carolina returns uh, four starters off a national championship team. The only story that is not returning is Destiny Henderson, who's off to the WNBA. And South Carolina adds two McDonald's All-Americans, both from the state of South Carolina, Talasia Cooper and Ashlyn Watkins, and Kara Fletcher, who will be a fifth-year point guard who was rated by ESPN.com as the number six overall player in the portal. Last year, you had the number one recruiting class. They did lose one player, Saniya Rivers, but you still have, oh, by the way, six foot seven, Camila Cardoso, who you're going to have to deal with, as well as Raven Johnson, who's the number Two recruit in the country, the num- number one point guard, Zaya Cook's back. You know this is her big year. She's not going to have a down year. Bree Beal, Bree Hall, L.A., who was at one point the number one player in her class before injury. And then if you're still worried about depth in the post, Saniya Fagan, who was the number four recruit in the country, and Ashlyn Watkins, who... Is probably like the meanest dunker in the country. I mean, I'm sorry, Tennessee and LSU. Your rosters do not compare to that. 
Well, that's what I was going to say, too. It's a thing in this article, and a thing I've seen, you know, on Twitter and everything is, and I'm not taken away from what Kelly Harper was able to do in the transfer portal. It was really, really good. But she's not the only coach who's who's been going into the transfer portal. And also, I really appreciate Dawn's strategy with the portal, which is what we've seen for the past two years specifically, I think, where there, she's adding these key pieces to something that already has a sort of they, – they gel. They already have a chemistry to the team. Like, they have – you know, when you add someone like Camila, like you mentioned – you have you have like you're adding a piece to something that's already there, and then the same with uh, Fletcher this next year. What what I think is lost when you're getting all these pieces is the opportunity to see them all have chemistry, to figure out who you want to play on the floor, all these different aspects. And there's nothing wrong with bringing in these talented transfer classes. But I'm looking at this article. I'm looking at all of the transfers. I mean, you, you mentioned Rakia Jackson, Jasmine Powell, Jasmine Franklin, and then they just uh, added uh, the player out of Georgia. To me, it's like, okay, you have all of these people. Now, you probably are going to manage some degree, I don't think ego is the right word, but some degree of expectation. I'm transferring to Tennessee. I'm going to play. So there's just a lot to balance there that South Carolina and Dawn, the way that she's worked the portal, you're, you're almost like plugging in pieces to a machine that's already running. And then you have, like you mentioned, all these roster pieces who have championship experience, Final Four experience, wire to wire number one experience where the target, like they mentioned the target on their backs, they all know how to deal with that pressure, even if they didn't play a whole lot. So they have development in the pressure. They have development within each other. They're not adding a whole bunch of people to try to figure out how to play with and how to manage all the personalities. I mean, you can look at a talented roster all day long, but at the end of the day, if they don't gel, they don't gel. And I think that has so much to do with when you're thinking about the future. I love the way that Don has sculpted these rosters, has made them. Now, I think coming into, if we're looking way far ahead, after the departure of this class right here, like you mentioned with LA, with Zaya, with Aaliyah, with Bree Beal, there's going to be a big amount of holes to fill. But if we're talking about next season and just the future in general, it's just chemistry. I don't, I don't understand how you can compare, okay, yes, you have all these pieces, but when South Carolina has all the pieces on campus and have had them for three, four years now, and you have them all together, that to me just spells a level of danger that I think this article specifically doesn't really give credence and respect to. I think personally that should be respected. You can have all the talent in the world. South Carolina's had all that talent. They've been playing together for three, four years. So I just don't think that that's even on the same playing field. And I think that's something that this really neglected personally. And I think here's the thing, too, about Dawn Staley, who, by the way, today it's her birthday. So happy birthday to the queen of college basketball. Culture and chemistry over talent, okay? Some players, you recruited them hard out of high school like South Carolina did with Cardoso, you know, ultimately she wound up probably where she need to be. Uh, there's reasons uh, on the air. I can't get into that. But at any rate, you know, that's part of the issue with the portal is, is yeah, you can bring in players, but, but can you manage the personalities with the expectations? Uh, you know, hey, I know... You know, Jordan Horston 
and Rakia Jackson. They were in the same AAU program along with Zia Cook. Uh, Breezy Hall later came up through that program. And, hey, I love Rakia Jackson. I love her game. I wish her all the best. Um, you know, so we'll see. But at South Carolina, they're, you know, bringing in two players from the state that they offered when they were eighth graders. And so they understand and know exactly what they're getting into. And then Kiera Fletcher, I was there in the Alamo Dome when, quite frankly, she really got after Destiny Henderson uh, in that Sweet 16 game. <laughs> I mean, she's she's got that dog in her uh, like Dawn Staley. So all I'm saying is, you know, South Carolina is a national champion. Uh, they will be the favorites to repeat as national champions. And honestly... Had things broken right, we could be looking at four straight uh, by this time next year. I mean, let's face it. We talked about this. The team with Ty Harris and Kiki Herbert Harrigan, which shout out to Augusta. If you've not read her feature on Kiki Herbert Harrigan, go and check it out. She's a new mom. She sat out last season. She's got a beautiful... Uh, baby, I saw the pictures. I'm pretty sure it's a baby boy. And, um, you know, it also talks about her thoughts on Dawn Staley, this team, everything. And so I think it would be really cool if when they have that national championship ring ceremony, if Ty Harris and Kiki could be there to get a national championship ring because they were deprived of the one that they were going to win. I mean, to me, that team was playing better, quite frankly, than any of Dawn Staley's teams going into the NCAA tournament. And that senior leadership with those young players, I just think they were a force of nature. Well, yeah, I mean, their impact, too. I mean, we heard it in all the press conferences all through the all through the run. It was constantly Zaya and Aaliyah. Everyone was giving shout-outs to Ty and Kiki about the leadership that they had to, to prepare them for the moment. I mean, when I was talking with Kiki, it sounded like they're still pretty tight, like thick as thieves with, with her former teammates. She was like, I mean, they reach out to me all the time. We're in constant communication. We're always talking. It, it seems like the bond is still there. And I loved when she told me that when she was watching the championship with, with her son, which the photo in the article, he's all dressed up in the South Carolina gear. And it's so cute. But she was talking about how like, she felt like she was in the game watching it, you know, from her couch when they were in Minneapolis. And, and I just, you know, their connection is still so strong, even though it's been two years now since she left the program. And I'm sure it's the same with Ty. And it's just so sweet to, to see their relationship, but also, like you said, the impact that they had. And, I mean, think about that. You think about, like you mentioned, the last season before this one and how that one ended up very controversially and very, you know, in that heartbreaking fashion in the Final Four. We, in a different universe that doesn't feel that different parallel to where we are now, we could be going into a potentially a fourth championship run easily. 
because 2020 was South Carolina's year. I completely agree with you. That team had every piece. I mean, there were moments in this season where I think we were both sitting there like, well, we'll see, you know. I mean, there were, there were definitely, you know, more question marks than there were in 2020, and it was a shame that that was canceled for the pandemic because there were so many, so many things there. And, I mean, I, what I love, too, is, is hearing Kiki talk about watching her banner go up uh, in the practice facility for uh, being picked in the draft and just the connections that they all still have to each other. I mean, it would just be so special if they could get them down here because I know that it's, that team is so still meshed and still so personally connected. There's really not a ton of gaps, you know, I mean, every member of the team in 2021 was there in, in 2022 and, and Ty and Kiki are really just the two pieces that, that they were missing. So it just feels like the cohesion of this team. I mean, this year was only really Lily and Henny and then the transfers that have left. So it, it's one of those things that it's, it, it is becoming, like you said, the culture It's all together. It's stayed very consistent. And I think that starts with, like you mentioned, I mean, when Dawn's recruiting and, eighth, ninth grade, and she's getting reads on these young ladies and figuring out, you know, do you fit the system? Do you understand um, something that's such a deep principle in South Carolina, which is waiting your turn, which I think we've seen, you know, that workout. We've seen the buy-in. I think you mentioned Sanaya Fagan. I think she's a perfect example of the buy-in because she didn't play hardly at all with how talented she is, but she knows she's going to. And that buy-in level, that's the kind of stuff you scout for, and that's the kind of stuff that Don scouts for. I can't wait to see Fagan just absolutely – jump onto the scene in the next couple of years because right now she's waiting her turn. She's developing. When she gets out there, she's going to be a monster. And that's something I would just want to bring up because she's going to be an absolute monster. If not next year, the year after that, and it'll be Don new. They can wait her turn. <laughs> uh, no doubt. So let's talk about the subtractions. We talked about uh, Destiny Henderson, Lily Grissett, who was really a glue uh, girl. She did, all the dirty jobs, she could guard multiple positions, play multiple positions, really a great rebounder, could take you off the dribble, got a lot of garbage baskets, a lot of baskets at the rim. Uh, they lose her, Alyssa Weselek, grad transfers. Um, you know, unfortunately for her, they she just got recruited over. Destiny Littleton who was kind of the sniper, the three-point specialist. She's probably getting ready to start medical school. She's also had problems with her, you know, feet and ankles. And so you lose all of them. Anaya Russell, who once again got, unfortunately for her, got recruited over. She transferred, not a surprise. Really the only surprise and a, a really a mild surprise because when Dawn Staley mentioned there could be one or two guards transfer, I immediately thought of Sanaya Rivers because she was a Gatorade National High School Player of the Year. She went through a lot. She went through a facial fracture. She had to wear the mask. She missed games. Then she got suspended for missing classes. But then she comes in the final four and plays 20 minutes and really helps orchestrate and seal that win over Louisville. And my sources thought at the final four, she was not leaving. And then all of a sudden, she's leaving. 
Uh, Russell will stay in the SEC and go to Kentucky. Congrats to her, but I mean, that roster is barren. Uh, and so she is definitely going to get to play. You know, not only did they lose Ryan Howard, Jasmine Massengill, uh, she grad transferred out. Dre Edwards, who hit the three at the buzzer to beat South Carolina in the for the SEC Tournament Championship. She's transferring out. They had a lot of seniors. So good luck to her. Rivers, no destination uh, as of yet. I expect it to be either North Carolina or NC State. Although I really thought Wes Miller got exposed as not really knowing what the hell to do in the NCAA tournament. So... We'll see. But maybe the biggest loss of all is, and it's a great loss because this is, as a head coach, this is what you want to see, is Cynthia C.J. Jordan, just the best. I mean, what a great young lady. Played point guard for Dawn Staley at Temple, was a GA at Temple, came with her to South Carolina as video coordinator. Then uh, in uh, 2012, was promoted to director of basketball operations. Just an integral part of the staff and very involved with recruiting, on-campus recruiting. But she goes to Florida as a full-time assistant and recruiting coordinator. And so that's a huge promotion for her. I love what's going on at Florida right now, and I think she uh, will just become a force uh, to be reckoned with, uh, Tennessee, LSU. Get ready for that. So, I mean, that's a, you know, that's a laundry list of people that are leaving uh, just your thoughts on the on the transfers and on uh, CJ going to Florida. Exactly. Well, I mean, the whole time you were you were talking, one of my thought processes was, you know, these great teams, you know, they kind of they kind of get poached. You know, I mean, with with CJ, I mean, huge huge opportunity. And I love what you said about Florida. I also what Kelly Ray did. I mean, in my opinion, I feel like. Kelly Ray had a very, very, very strong resume for coach of the year. What she was able to do down there at Florida with all the, everything they were going through, Florida was really, really, really good. So that, that's going to be amazing. I love seeing the SEC get more competitive. I think it's just a really good thing. But um, so that, that wasn't honestly like completely surprising because I think she is a great hire for there. And I think when you have a great team that does great things and you have, you know, the staples of that program, it makes sense. With the transfers and, you know, life changes and everything, Destiny Littleton, I absolutely, her message that she posted on Twitter and Instagram, I thought was one of the best goodbye messages to a fan base I'd ever seen. I wanted to give a shout out to that. I mean, the video, the heartfelt, you know, pictures and words, I, I love that. You know, we see a lot of times taking a screenshot of a note staff or anything, but I thought that she had a very sentimental and sweet way to say goodbye to the fan base that has really just embraced her. They, they love all of them, of course, but with Littleton going on, 
on to pursuing her dream in, in the medical field is really awesome. And, and I can't, I'm really trying to catch up with her in a couple of days and I want to see, you know, how that's going for her and everything. Cause I think that's going to be an awesome uh, career path to track something unique that we don't see a ton of, uh, you know, just in general with, with athletes. But then, um, you know, when you think about logistically all the transfers, I think, Sanaya Rivers was one of them that I was kind of surprised when she chose to leave because like you mentioned, I think the impact that she showed that she could have in the final four games specifically, it felt like the coaching staff and Dawn and the program was trying to show her that she had value, even though she had sat out those first three games for that suspension, they were trying to say, look, you have a place and it's so, you know, prominent. She got a lot of minutes with just, it was her and the starters. That was something I noticed throughout the season. It would be Rivers and the starters. And I was like, okay, she is a piece that they really want to work around. And when she chose to leave, I was really surprised um, just in terms of, I think she was a good on the court fit. I think she showed that she was, um, she might've gotten discouraged by, you know, other things, the, the injuries, the suspensions, the, you know, I, I think her, if I'm not mistaken, she was really rough from three point range this year. I think it was like one of 22 or 28 something really rough and so I don't know if that got in her head I don't know I don't know what it was but um yeah I wouldn't be surprised to see her you know sit closer go back closer to home she's from North Carolina um one of those schools but overall I think the biggest takeaway from all of this is there there when you look at the list and you go through it there is a lot of people that are leaving I think it's not necessarily a bad thing because I think Dawn didn't love the size of the roster that she was managing this year with, uh, with all the personalities and all the people to, to sort of juggle around and keep, you know, happy. I think that was something that she definitely wasn't a huge fan of. I think she was asked about the roster a few times in the final four, if I'm not mistaken. And she was like, I really don't want it to get this big again. Uh, it was just a lot to manage. So I don't think while obviously all the departures are going to be sorely missed, I think in terms of numbers, you know, bringing in, three and losing however many the number is I can't recall it off the top of my head maybe four or five but um, I think it's I think it'll be end up end up being a good thing in the long run <laughs> in terms of just management um, but yeah I mean and then I also want to mention like you mentioned at the top there but Lily Grissett I think that'll be a huge loss just in terms of uh, personality uh, the the uh, the the bench you know energy I'm hoping to see who's gonna who's gonna step up to be the Lily Grissette on the bench getting all excited for, for things. I think Bree Hall might have a good shot of being the next Lily Grissette when it comes to just enthusiasm. She's always fun to watch. But, um, yeah, huge glue piece, like you said, just in terms of culture there. I mean, she had been around forever, too. So um, losing Lily from that regard is, is big. But but I'm not too worried about it because of people who are staying. I think Victoria Saxon staying is massive, huge. Um, just in terms of keeping as much of the chemistry as they can. But, um, yeah, yeah, there's a lot of departures. And you really, when you start listing out like that, that is has a lot of people that are heading out. But it makes sense. Championship program, you're going to have you're gonna have turnover. It's just part of it. It's part of the, part of the cycle, I think. <laughs> yep. All right. So six out, three additions. So instead of 16, which is one over the scholarship limit, back to 13, uh, only two freshmen. And so I'm glad you talked about Lily because there's really two roles that Lily had, right? She had the personality role, but then she had a really diverse role, 
uh, of playing, you know, anywhere one through four at times. And so to me, the personality, I agree with you, Breezy Hall, absolutely, I think is just going to blossom into that huge, confident, and maybe even more fiery personality, not to rise to the level of a mad Kiki, okay, but definitely uh, the Lily role. But then on the court, I think to free up minutes, right, because you got Saxton and Boston back, but you got L.A., and you got Cardoso, and you got Fagan. So, and by the way, Ashlyn Watkins is coming in. And so how do you free up minutes? Well, so Lily's minutes, to me, I think L.A. can slide into that role because she can play anywhere. I just don't think we've seen the full talent of Letitia Ami here. I think we've seen it in flashes when she knew she was going to play in the NCAA tournament, when they would play the big lineup. We saw it. She made the Hemisphere All-Tournament team. We saw it this year when she had to take over the point guard position, and she knew she was going to start. And so to me, I think when she really knows her role and she knows she's coming in, she's ready, and we really see better L.A. than when, well, maybe Bree Hall's the first sub off the bench, or maybe Cardoso's the first sub off the bench, or hey, maybe this game, L.A.'s the second sub off the bench, or the third, and and I think she kind of, I don't know, I just think she is more unsure of herself, but to me, this year, and by the way, she is graduating this week. Um, and if she doesn't like her draft prospects, she can come back next year because she still has a year because her freshman year was the COVID year. And so who knows what will happen there, but I think that frees up more minutes for Cardoso and Fagan by allowing her to slide into the Lily role of being able to just be a basketball player on the court. Absolutely, absolutely. And that's something that you mentioned that's so interesting about L.A. because she mentioned that a lot when we talked to her this year about how she kind of prepares to be an everything kind of player. And sometimes, you know, she'll have to turn to coach and be like, wait, who am I, who am I subbing in for? Because she can do literally anything on that floor, anything that they need her to do, she'll do. And I completely agree with you that she has an added level of confidence when she does know her role. I think that would be a really smart decision would be to take this off season to carve out something more concrete. I mean, obviously LA is versatile and that's what's awesome about her, but she definitely thrives when she has, you know, a carved out, a more carved out role. This is what you do. And I think like you mentioned with Lily had now, I think there is an opportunity there to plug her in because they have so many pieces behind V and behind Aaliyah that they won't need her necessarily to do that. I also think she is better, you know, playing more as a guard personally than like posting up 
that's something that she struggled with. She's mentioned that. She's mentioned that that's probably one of the areas that she wants to improve on the most. So obviously give her development, whatever she wants to do specifically, if she wants to go into the league and play whatever position she wants to. But I think she, she showed a lot of her talent when she was, you know, starting in place of Henny for those three games in December. And I think that that's a role that she just plays really, really well. She has a size and I understand her position, but I think that, you know, like you mentioned, maneuvering her around to where Lily was, I think that's just a great place for her to go um, just for her skill set and what we've seen from her um, because she still has, you know, some things to work on in terms of, in terms of playing like a true post. But I think, I think that's smart. I think it, I think it would be a good decision. Now, obviously I'm not the coach. We're not the coaches. We're not going to be out here making decisions, but I, I think that would be a great place to see, to see LA thrive. And I did also notice that she was um, graduating. So um, I guess that means she's graduating early, right? Cause she's three, been three, three and a half yeah. years. Good. Good so, so yeah. So she signed with that class her senior year in November. She started her senior season, tore her other ACL, and it was like an hour and a half each way for her to be able to get to rehab, which was hard to manage and go to school. She already had enough credits to graduate from high school. So she, Dawn Staley just said, hey, go ahead, graduate, come in. You can do all your rehab right here. You know, you don't even have to worry about basketball, just your rehab. And I mean, she's one of the, you know, most intelligent young ladies to come in the program, obviously by the fact she is graduating in three and a half years. And she's always been on the, academic honor roll so you know that just made sense for her um but i'm really looking forward to seeing what she says so i will go back to the kelly so john adams you know you don't even really have the best kelly you don't know that you even have the best kelly in the sec okay because what kelly ray finley did including an 84 to 59 curb stomping of the Varmiteers, I mean, volunteers. Uh, I mean, come on, man. What's up with that? 84 to 59? And with the rosters you Florida had too, man. I mean, it was, it was not a, uh, I don't know. I just, that was what I loved about the Florida emergence this year. Cause I'm not mistaken. They had someone transfer or get injured, someone big. I can't remember. They lost, I think one of their best players and they were still able to put together. I get that Tennessee was wrestling with injuries, but with that Florida roster, man, Kelly Ray Finley had them playing for something. Like they were just the most motivated group in the SEC. I loved watching them play. And I'll, I'll say, you watch the South Carolina game. South Carolina was beating the snot out of them in the first half. And that second half, I mean, you add another quarter to that game, and I'm not sure how that would have ended up. Florida's, Florida's good. Florida was Florida was that kind of team that was, I don't know if scrappy's the right word, but they they were they would fight their way. They'd claw their way into games, man. And I can't wait to see what they do with, you know, full season. Keller Finley is the real coach, which why it took them forever to remove that interim tag will be beyond me. They have it now programs and set, you know, I mean, last year they had all the 
ebbs and flows and they were still able to do what they were going to do. Give them a couple of years. I think Florida has a real opportunity. They're, they're on the upswing. A lot of these programs I feel like are kind of like swinging all sorts of ways. I think Tennessee's swinging some weird ways right now, but, but Florida's on the upswing. Florida, they have, they have buy-in. They have buy-in. No doubt. So I, I do want to go back to uh, your interview with Kiki Herbert Harrigan, kind of catch our listeners up on her. Um, Obviously, she had the great senior year. She was a first-round pick. I believe Phoenix picked her. Was it Phoenix? In Minnesota. Oh, Minnesota. That's right, the Lynx. Then she got traded, right, to the Storm. And so how is motherhood, how is the year off, and and what what, are her goals for this coming season? Absolutely. So she's doing real well. Um, she's, she's having a lot of fun, you know, getting used to motherhood and all of that. Uh, I mentioned, or I asked her about, you know, what it's been like playing back with the storm and, and for her, I mean, you know, she, she didn't have a ton of time to play with them because she had taken leave for, because she became pregnant with her son, you know, so early in the season, I think before it started, right when it started. So she didn't get a ton of opportunities to, to play and get to know the team. So right now she's, it, it feels like, you know, technically it's her second year, but it really does feel more like a first year for her. Um, she, she told me one thing, I'm not sure if I included it in the story. I hope I did, but she told me that um, she plays with an added edge now, even more than she did in school. It's a different edge because she said that one of the best lessons she learned from coach Staley was how to channel her energy past getting technical. Um, but, you know, to try to channel it to something more productive so she's not getting in trouble. But um, she says that she plays with, you know, an added edge and added intensity, knowing that she always had people looking up to her, always had, you know, young kids wanting to be like her. But now that she has her own son that's watching her, um, it just adds to it for her. But, but no, she was, in, she was in a great mood when we talked. They had just uh, come back from – they were actually in Phoenix. Seattle was uh, flying back, and she called me when she was on her way back from the airport um, about to go see her son again. But, um, yeah, I mean, she's doing extremely well. She stays in real close contact with the team now and the coaches. Like, like I mentioned, you know, she says that she and Don are trading texts periodically. The coaches were sending her gifts for her baby when he was born and, and just the relationship that she still has with everybody in South Carolina is so strong. And one of the things that she talked about that I just, I loved so much was how she was talking about how South Carolina fan base is not only worldwide because there are people that were visiting her home Island who knew who she was down in Anguilla, but also, um, the fact that they followed her throughout her whole career, you know, she left in 2020, but she says that fan base is still, you know, defending her tooth and nail on social media anytime they need to. And they're always there for her. And, and she just, that was, that was the thing that she wanted to talk about the most. That's what she lit up about the most was telling her stories about how much that the fan base has just embraced her and, and how good it was for the sport in general. She was like, South Carolina fans are so good, you know, for us for just, you know, growing the game and, and keeping us feeling close. And, and it was just so sweet to, to catch up with her and hear about how everything's going. Um, but yeah, she, before she took um, leave for her son, she had played in all 21 of the Lynx's last uh, games off the bench and it really, really become a, a valuable member of their team, traded for a first round pick to the Storm, um, where she's probably going to come off the bench again this year. Um, 
roster cuts are still being made. I, she hasn't been cut to my knowledge, so I assume that she'll make the roster. These cuts have been brutal. Um, something that you mentioned earlier that I just want to mention in passing was the NC State, both uh, Elisa Cunane and Reina Perez getting cut, which were intense. But, um, yeah, so she's still on the roster, and that's, I mean, with W and their roster sizes, that's, that's pretty big, um, especially after taking a year off. So um, playing well in their, in their preseason games. Uh, what was funny was I had asked the PR person uh, with Seattle to send me photos of her for our story. And because she'd only played in one preseason game at that point, they didn't have a ton of photos. Um, and that just kind of speaks to, you know, she's been around the team for a while, but she's really just kind of getting a start, just kind of getting a reset. Um, so Good time for Kiki. She's she's really enjoying motherhood uh, with her her son and, and her boyfriend, and everything's going really well. So it was great to catch up with her though, and to hear about um, how close she's staying with the program now and the fan base and all that. Yeah, I mean, one of my favorites. I mean, from her freshman year. I mean, I really think she would have been a much better player had she learned at an earlier age to be able to channel those emotions. I thought that set her back, but she really uh, had a fantastic senior year. So Destiny Littleton, I can't wait to read about that. I interviewed her here in Austin before she uh, left to come to Columbia. I just saw her birthday uh wishes to Dawn Staley uh to the woman that quote changed my life. I mean, what more can you say um about Dawn Staley? So I I just thought that was tremendous. I can't wait to see what this season brings. Obviously it's a long way off, but a lot of interesting uh you know, conversations to be had about who plays where. I mean, hey, does Kara Fletcher just take a back seat to Raven Johnson, or is she, Raven Johnson, ready to run the point coming off of that ACL injury? I mean, to me, that's a big point of contention because physically, is she going to have enough time to be healed? Maybe yes, but psychologically, you know, you just hear so many players, Marshawn Lloyd, I mean, people that I know, it it just takes, you know, longer to get back your confidence to be able to plant and, you know, change directions and have 100% confidence that, hey, my knee's not going to buckle again. Well, exactly. And I think that's part of the reason why Fletcher was such a good add, because even if she has that year, like you mentioned with Marshawn Lloyd, you know, he kind of needed a year. Now he's feeling, you know, 100% back to normal. In a way, Kara Fletcher, with her one year left and all of that experience, it's probably a great option to have Raven Johnson if she's up for it and you know mentally ready I think just thinking about it from that perspective it might be the best option to let Kira Fletcher sort of be more of 
the prominent, but I don't know if you necessarily start her, but, but just be more of a leader to get a freshman who, I mean, it was the second game, I think in the first quarter she'd ever played in at South Carolina. And that's what happened. So there's going to be a lot of just mental trauma that comes with that. You know, I mean, I play in a game and, and I don't even think that she had played a single game in the CLA, if I'm not mistaken, other than the, the exhibition games. I think both of those games uh, were on the road. It was the second game in South Dakota. I mean, there were just so many different factors there. I think having that insurance there at Fletcher and just the opportunity to let Raven, you know, grow more comfortable, become the point guard of the future for South Carolina. I also don't know about this. I need to check up on it, but I'm pretty sure she'll be eligible for a medical red shirt. So that's buying extra time with her and more time to let her develop. So I just think that's, that's probably the best course of action. I think that's part of the reason why Don Wynn got not only the one of the best point guards, you know, in the transfer portal, one most experienced, but also one with a single year left of eligibility. That way there's no, you know, question of have we developed, you know, Raven or what do we do here? Keeping her for a year, you know, having her kind of help her out. I think that was just such a smart decision. Um, but I'm right there with you. I can see where that could be a, a major thing because, because there is a mental aspect of coming back from an injury like that. And especially the way it was suffered so early in her freshman year on the floor in a game, I just feel like there's going to be a lot of different things to, to manage through with that. And then of course the physical part of it. I mean, you know, there's no guarantee that she'll be ready by the end or, or the beginning of next season. So. So I could see this playing out the way it did with Ty Harris, like, Raven Johnson played a total of eight minutes. Okay. That's not even drinking a cup of coffee. Okay. That takes longer than eight minutes generally. Unless it's cold and you're in a hurry. Okay. You're not drinking a cup of hot coffee in less than eight minutes. No. Uh, you know, unless you're just, I don't know, uh, Mr. Freeze or the Joker, or Yuck. somebody like that. So, Kara Fletcher, she could start off the season running the point. Raven Johnson builds up more and more time, more and more confidence, and then, hey, maybe she's ready to take it over, like Ty Harris was. And, mm-hmm. you know, then they they brought um, Quavos off the bench, until uh, the injury uh, to Elena Coates, and then they went with the small lineup, which honestly, to me, that's why they won the national championship is because Asia Wilson had the entire middle of the floor to operate from 18 feet in without having to worry about anybody. But that's just me. So... Augusta, I can't thank you enough for joining us today. Tell us, uh, other than this uh, story on Destiny Littleton, what are you working on and what's your summer looking like uh, for you personally and professionally? Absolutely. So um, we're really, I'm really efforting to try to catch up with recruits before they get on campus. Uh, if I can get a hold of them, that'd be great. You know, it's it's a it's a trying to link up with people time. There's really nice time going on in terms of games. So I'm really just trying to catch up with people we haven't heard from in a while, get updates. Um, so Destiny Littleton's the top of my list right now, but 
Uh, would love to catch up with Talasia and Ashlyn as well before they get on campus, see if I could. Um, kind of a shot in the dark if we can get uh, their attention. But um, yeah, this summer, so actually this weekend, uh, shout out to my parents. Uh, my dad's birthday is this weekend and it is Mother's Day, so I'm going to see them. Uh, big early May is always a huge time for my family because uh, obviously Mother's Day, but my dad's birthday always intersects. And so he loves to try to take the thunder from my mom. It's so cute and so funny. So I'm going to see both of them. Uh, my best friend graduates grad school. Going to go see my best friend graduate pretty soon. Um, just all sorts of different celebrations. May's always a big month of celebrations and things um, just for my family and my friends. So that's what I have going on uh, personally, professionally. Like I mentioned, just catching up with everybody that will talk, you know, in the off season. Um, it's nice that the transfer portal is essentially closed right now in terms of just um, if they want to play immediately, uh, that closed on May 1st. So it's kind of nice to know that won't be seeing anybody else jump in the portal for a minute. Um, just tracking, you know, where they're going, see if Sonata Rivers, where she lands and things like that. So just keeping up with everything, but um, it's generally pretty chill. So thank you for having me on. And uh, I wish all the listeners a great May. I love this month. So I hope everyone has a good month. Yeah, I mean, hey, it's huge. It, uh, you know, high school baseball, playoff start. I got my series 4A. It will be one of the more competitive opening round series in the state. That's Thursday, Friday, Saturday. Sunday is Mother's Day, and it's my anniversary. Oh, happy anniversary. Yeah. And, um, you know, just uh, Cinco de Mayo tomorrow. And so I won't be able to uh, enjoy any of my favorite beer until uh, after the game when I'm back home <laughs> safely uh, in the comforts of my own home. But no, you know, no wild celebrations. But, uh at any rate, all the best to you, Augusta. Thank you so much. I'm uh, looking forward to covering next year's team with you and uh, wish you all the best uh, with uh, catching up with these recruits and players. And uh, we will certainly catch up with you down the road. Absolutely. Thank you so much. Appreciate it. All right. Tremendous, tremendous stuff there from Augusta Stone. So, breaking news, NCAA Division I Council will discuss and likely vote in two weeks to waive the 25-man counter limit in football, initial counters. Notably, this will be a waiver and in its current form will just be for the next two years. Coaches will be able to go above the 25 slash 32 limit as soon as the end of the month. Okay, so if you lose guys the portal, if you lose a ton of guys like South Carolina will, you will be able to make up for that in one year. So I think this is a good rule as long as they are leaving the 85 intact, right? Because, you know, if you are losing an inordinate amount of seniors and you're well below the limit of 85, this gives you an opportunity to be able to sign a 
a bigger class. I mean, this could create more of an issue with the transfer portal. Certainly there will be coaches like uh, Butch Jones. Uh, what were they? What would they call themselves? Uh, well, at any rate, uh, you know, Tennessee, I say, I think brought in like 38 or 40 players in one year with a bunch of mid-year enrollees before they counted, and then they signed 25 guys. And so, you know, you could – it could be more of an issue. You could see, you know, hoarding of players from top programs, offering more, more, more players, signing them. But then if they're not playing in a year, they're going to be out in the portal. So it'll be interesting to see – uh, how that is handled. Gamecock baseball on the bump tonight. Taking on North Carolina A&T. Uh, before heading out to College Station. If you're going, make sure to check out C&J Barbecue in Bryan. It's really, really um, good stuff. So, uh, tonight on the Garnet Blacktown Hall, J.C. Sherbert will be joining uh, the town hall. That meeting will end promptly at 7. I have a baseball meeting that's mandatory. Zoom call I have to be on. But we will have the full hour, so don't wait until the end to tune in for overtime. Go ahead and... Uh, jump in. Looks like Rick Sandage, a super, well, not a super, a redshirt senior, fifth-year senior Rick Sandage, um, had a setback, had to have a, another procedure on his ankle. Hopefully he will be good to go for August. Uh, Michi Johnson officially added Gamecocks still very active, trying to fill three spots on the roster. Some good stuff. Uh, Austin Stogner and Landon Sampson training together with the same uh, personal receiving coach. Really great stuff. Check out those videos on Twitter. I think they're linked both from the bigspur.com and from Gamecock Central. So you can check that out. Um, and we'll all see how the Gamecocks end the season. Tennessee. I think the one thing that John Adams failed to consider is it wasn't just a big F you to Tennessee women's basketball. That's a program that there's a lot of animus with South Carolina fans over, you know, going back to the 90s with Phil Fulmer, the rampant cheating, the buying of players from South Carolina into the early 2000s with Albert Hainsworth. And that's just a bitter rivalry, you know, in football. Um I mean, it's just not women's basketball. I mean, hey, and let's face it, South Carolina's behind now. 
in baseball, in football, although that will be a contested game this year at williams Bryce Stadium. Well behind in, you know, in men's basketball, Rick Barnes has gotten the better of Frank Martin. You know, his program is rolling right now. Although they did have an earlier than anticipated exit from the NCAA tournament. I mean, South Carolina's behind Tennessee, and you got to beat Tennessee if you're South Carolina. So, hey, all our VIP members, tune in tonight to Garnet Black Town Hall. JC will be in. We'll talk about the Garnet, or I'm sorry, the Gamecock is at Carolina Rise, NIL, and JC will be filled in football questions, maybe a little portal uh, questions as well tonight on the Garnet Black Town Hall. All right, so until tonight, and then JC will join me on the pod on Thursday before I start my baseball playoff series. And then we'll close out the week strong. So until then, this is Keith Alseb, and this has been the Locked on the Gamecocks podcast. I'll show hands to make me blue with some other guy.